Welcome to the Texas Oil & Gas Podcast, the show dedicated to bring you the news from the oil patch deep in the heart of Texas, with your host, Ryan Ray and Josh Shelton. Welcome to the Texas Oil & Gas Podcast. We appreciate you tuning in to episode 53. I'm your host, Josh Shelton, with my friend and co-host, Ryan Ray. Ryan, you had to do it without me last week, bro. How'd you make it? Well, by now, Josh, I just kind of, you know, I'm kind of used to it, to be quite honest with you. It's uh, it's one of those deals where, you know, um, you have your world trips that you go on, and then I kind of with those. Then you have your last minute, oh, my wife is sick, or oh, my wife's having a baby, or, you know, all these <laughs> random excuses that you pull out. And uh, so, you know, I'm, luckily we had David uh, Blackman on, and so he he held down the fort for me. And uh, and so, you know, it was, it was okay. We we We... Josh, I'll be honest with you. We barely scraped by without you being here. I don't know how we ever did it. So we're, uh, oh, we're so blessed to have you back. The articles and all that. That's that's what got you through. Yeah, it it was really, it was really those, you know, those fifty to sixty hours that you put in prep work. That's what really made this show happen last week. Thank you so much. Amen. Amen, brother. Well, look, uh, Ryan, we got a couple of written reviews while you're doing the show. Maybe I should leave more often and get, get some more written reviews. Uh, two five-stars came in in the last week, in the last five days, really. Uh, we got one from uh, from T.O. Murph and another one from Ben Q. But, Ryan, before I, before I read those, uh, we had a couple of announcements, I believe, we needed to make about next week or the week after that. Yeah. Um, so a couple of things, Josh, let's just kind of go through it here. So, um, we talked about the awards, uh, the, the pipeline energy expo, which I'll be at, um, in Tulsa on Thursday, April the 5th. And so I'll be up there for that. If you're at the conference in the area, let me know. We'll be at us safety sign decals office, I think as well. Um, they are the hard hat sticker sponsor. And so, uh, I think we'll be doing something with them either at the show or at their office. And then Friday, um, if we all remember, we had the tragic event in on January 22nd where um, the um, they had the explosion on the well and five people um, lost uh, lost their lives in that explosion in Quinton, Oklahoma. And we had a show, Josh, about uh, the, the couple days or week after that, I can't really remember, um, at the OHH pistol shoot in Houston. And, um, and on the show, they talked about doing a event for those uh, the, the, you know, the, the families, the, the, the loved ones that are left behind. So I will be at that event, um, you know, helping support OHH and their efforts to raise money for those families. That will be the, the next day. So April the 6th. So if you're in McLeod, Oklahoma, which is just outside of Oklahoma city, um, you know, please consider getting a team together, coming out there to shoot. Um, if you come out there to shoot and you want to get your company on the podcast, we'll give you a free, you know, you know, free spot to plug your, your company and to come on the show if you're out there and you're a listener. Um, because, you know, it is important, Josh. Those people are out there doing it. We talk about it a lot. Um, it's a serious thing. People on these on these rigs are doing very, very important work. Um, you know, we've got to have oil and gas for our society to run. And we, we just kind of forget about it. And it's a dangerous job, very dangerous job. And so when those, um, you know, those out there lose their lives, if we can help support them anyway, we really need to. So I'm, I'm honored to be able to go to this event. And again, if you're out there and you're a listener and you want to come, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a one-time offer uh, to come and give your company a free plug. If you go to the event, you listen to the show, um, and you go and shoot or a sponsor or, or whatever, um, we'll let you come on the show that Friday and um, – and give you give you you know give you guys a plug, and then we also have some interviews with some some of the sponsors. I think that'll be there, so it should be a really interesting show, Josh. And uh, you know, just really trying to help out wherever we can, man, because it's um, 
you know, as we talked about when they came on, um, OHH came on that day, you, you can't replace the loved ones. And it takes a while sometimes for, you know, some of the benefit packages or whatever the families may receive to get in place. So this is kind of a stopgap to say, hey, you know, we, we can't replace the loved ones, but this is something in the short term we can do. It can help. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Ron, did you mention the, uh, I believe you have the reward show that's coming up, uh, not this Thursday, but next Thursday, right? Yep. 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 That's, that's going to be the, the, the day before the pistol shoot, uh, the clay shoot. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, well, Ryan, the the two reviews that we had written, uh, one was from a guy named Tio Murph. Uh, he wrote this on March 13th. He said, this is a great podcast for staying updated on the Texas oil and gas industry. Someone who's temporarily residing outside of the Texas yet intends to return back soon. The podcast is perfect for staying current on industry news and insight. Great job, guys. Thanks, Tio Murph. We appreciate it, man. It's huge help. We uh, And these written reviews really give us uh, some insights in the you know, what kind of, what kind of folks are listening and, uh, the kind of information they're looking for. The other one, uh, Ryan, Ben QTX, uh, he wrote this on March 17th and, uh, he is actually a service professional with Quorum Software. He said that he loves the podcast as a way to go deeper into the stories behind the headlines and industry publications and newsfeed. Great way to find out what my customers referring to his customers are going to be talking about. So, uh, uh, thanks for the review, uh, Ben. Uh, great review. Glad you liked the show. We'll keep keep working hard, and uh, anything we can do to improve it, y'all let us know. Yeah, and uh, a couple things there, Josh. First off, people ask me quite often, hey, how can I help the show? How can I help the show? Doing what, what those listeners did, thank you so much. It really helps the show more than you know. Um, also, and you know this, Josh, we get people who want to come on the show um, a lot of times just to kind of promote what they do. Well, guess what? Quorum just got the free plug. It's, it was that simple, right? Hey, they left the review. They left their name in the company. So if you're interested, and because of that, I went and looked up you know, Quorum. I went familiar with them, and they are a company that is a software company in the EMP space. And so it, it's really simple because um, – you know, there's, there's your, uh, kind of that free plug that some people are always looking for. And we're happy to give it out with a review, I think. I mean, I think we're willing to exchange that. Absolutely. If you like the show and you leave us a good review and your company name happens to be in there, well, why wouldn't we give you that review? So, um, yeah, I, I went and checked them out. So Quorum Software, um, they're in the EMP um, business. And so, actually, they, they actually found me on Twitter. We're kind of talking about some of the stuff that um, – that uh, we've been talking about on the show. I think maybe some of their, uh, we talk about the advanced technologies for producers. I think they have some some kind of solutions and ideas for things like that. Anyways, so here's your free club uh, plug, Quorum. Appreciate the review, but quorumsoftware.com. Go check them out. Um, Josh, but it does really help the show out in, in more ways than you know, and uh, we really, really appreciate it. Um, I would appreciate it more if you said, instead of saying what you guys do, what Ryan does, you know, if we just leave Josh out of that process, <laughs> it'd be nice for me. But, uh, you know, I mean, you know, Josh probably needs a pat on the back and attaboy every now and then. And then, hey, one, one more thing, Josh. We need questions for first uh, first Friday Q&A. So Ryan at GlobalEnergyMedia.com is the way to do that. Ryan at GlobalEnergyMedia.com. Send us in your questions, and we'd be happy to uh, take a stab at them. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, we uh, we definitely need some some questions uh, for, I mean, the first Friday's coming up pretty soon. So if you've got questions, send them in. Yep. And um, one final thing, Josh, you know, I saw uh, we always talk about where you can find the show. And so you can find the show obviously on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, uh, Spreaker app um, and iHeartRadio. Well, I saw the other day iHeartRadio uh, filed for bankruptcy. So I'm I'm going to keep saying it's on iHeartRadio, but I'm not sure that iHeartRadio will still be around. I don't know what's going to happen with that. So if you are an iHeartRadio listener, um, you can find it in other spots. Obviously, GlobalNGMedia.com has it. Um, and then anywhere quality podcasts are found, 
um, you should be able to find the show, um, Amazon Alexa, all that kind of good stuff. And so, um, yeah, so I don't know, Josh, we're on iHeartRadio, but I don't know if that's long for this world or, or what's going to happen there with that. Last but not least, Ryan, uh, before we, before we hop into the show, uh, Big shout out to Drilling Info. They're the sponsor of our show this week, and uh, we've they have awesome free trials. I don't did they ever get that third one up, Ryan? I wasn't here last week, so uh, yeah, no. Okay, so on that, that's a great question. I have a call with them on Monday, um, and I think they're I think they're they're wanting to talk about putting that third one back up. So they they sent me the thing though. They said, hey, um, we want to talk about this this uh, this trial and. Um, I think they got, they, you know, they bought, they made a new merger or bought a new company or something the other day. So I'm thinking that's what it is about. No promises, but just kind of based upon the tone of the email, they want to talk about um, something with some new software. So I'm thinking they're going to put that third one back up, hopefully next week. But we'll let you know next Friday when we find out. Awesome, awesome. Well, uh, like always, we're going to give you the the recount at the end of the show from Drilling Info. But uh, make sure you go check out the free trial that, that they, they're giving all of our listeners. Uh, I believe this 14-day 14, uh, 14 trial, you can go check out some of the products they have. I mean, it's really incredible stuff. Yeah, yeah. globalenergymedia.com slash DI. globalenergymedia.com slash DI. Obviously, the D and the I stand for drilling info. Try to make it, uh, try to make it simple. <laughs> Absolutely. People like you, Ryan, they need it as simple as it can be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we do well we uh do. well moving on ryan we have uh, a couple of pieces of news we wanted to take a look at the first one uh not huge news something that i just thought we'd at least take a moment to just discuss some of the some of the things that might surround this uh this article is uh, dallasnews.com and the title of the article is it would be a black eye on texas if state's credit is downgraded controller tells uh, comptroller tells lawmakers. So Ryan, um, don't want to spend too much time here, but they're talking about, uh, the, the state's credit. So first of all, you know, the oil and gas industry, I believe they made like $11 billion. They have like $11 billion from taxing oil and gas. Um, how do you see this playing out, Ryan? I mean, is this something that affects the, you know, the oil and gas industry in any way? Is it something that we should keep our eyes on or is this kind of a, a non-issue? Well, yeah, I mean it's a complicated issue, and, and you're right. I, I think the the rainy day fund has about 11 billion, and most of that comes from oil and gas. I don't know the exact percentages, but it's it's you know a large a large chunk of that is oil and gas money. Um, I, I think there's a couple things. One, last week on the show, David Blackman talked about the Port of Corpus Christi, and we we talked about the show the need to get that project done, and he thinks that it's possible that the state might pull from the rainy day fund to fund that project if. Um, if the federal government doesn't fund it. And so that's something to watch out there, what they're going to do with that money. And, you know, it makes sense because, hey, you're making all this money off oil and gas, you're going to continue to tax it. Um, you know, you know why, why not fund something so you can tax it more? Uh, what I found kind of comical about this about this whole idea, Josh, is that you know, we, we always talk on the show, and we take a little flack sometimes about taxes and overregulation and stuff like that. And I think, though, this is the point is that you're getting – you know, you, you have this rainy day fund, which is $11 billion that comes mainly from oil and gas. And, um, you know, if, we, if, we're, if we're being completely honest here, the extraction of oil and gas is really a private deal. You know, Josh has minerals. He sells them to a company. The company goes and extracts them. Um, obviously, there's there's regulatory involved, but I'm saying the, the, the core, it's a, it's a private transaction between um, two people, uh, a landowner and, 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 well, 
three potentially the landowner, the right owner, and the company. But it's you know, it's, you, you, but the government is benefiting off of that. And so we, we you know, we always kind of um, talk about taxing and things like that, and, and you know, always being leery of stuff. I think these are kind of examples we want to point to and say, you know. Um, and here you are getting free money. You got this rainy day fund. Um, we've got this huge project in Port of Corpus Christi. Um, the state's got its own problems with pensions and things like that. It's got to, it's got to put out, you know, how you gonna pay for this. Um, we get to about property taxes in Texas and how that works. Um, for me, I think, um, the couple of takeaways, one, we need to get the Port of Corpus Christi done. As we talked about before, we'd like to see it done, um, through private funding. We don't, we're not exactly sure. We need to get someone, maybe Sean Strawbridge again to talk about is, is that, is that, is that an option? I don't know legal, legally if that's even an option, but if it is, that would make the most sense. Um, um, but if not, then, that's the, then the rainy day fund needs to pay for it. Why? Because that's oil and gas money. I mean, oil and gas money is there. So why not use the oil and gas money to pay for better oil and gas, you know, ex, uh, services here in the state of Texas. So, um, I, I don't know what's going to happen with all this. I'm not a policy expert on the other stuff, obviously. Um, but I, I just found it interesting that, you know, here we are and we've got $11 billion largely for oil and gas, um, you know, we need to get this Port of Corpus Christi deal done. And um, it just makes sense to take money from the people who you've already taken money from um, oil and gas. Why not give it back to them? Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I mean, looking at it, if oil and gas has already given that much money uh, to the state and they need, you know, X, X amount of million to get this port, which would bring in, you know, billions more in tax revenue. It just seems like a, like a no-brainer, and it shouldn't take so long. That's the frustrating thing. It's like so much money is being thrown away, and it takes so long to get these jobs done. That, that's really my deal with taxes and the way some of the structures work is that there's so much waste involved. You know, private investors, they so much more efficient use of money and time, talent, and uh, yeah, so well, definitely I mean, agree there. Th- this is the short version I would say is this, is that uh, so I think we're on the same page, and, and another way to frame it is to say that um, when you talk about waste, you know, if you run a small business like, you know, um, like Josh does, or I do, or a lot of listeners do, and you're involved in that kind of bit stuff, you realize that you have to be able to bring in money to put out money. I mean, that's very simple. If you don't have any money coming in, no money goes out. Um, I mean, obviously you can borrow and things like that, but still you gotta pay that back. So how do you generate money? And, and okay, you go, well, I'm going to, you know, offer a product or service. And then you got to figure out, well, unless it's something new um, that no one's ever done before, um, I'm competing with other people are offering that product or service. So I've got to be better than them. And there's an incentive, um, not all of them, but at least some of them, at least one of them, um, potentially to make money. And so your ability to make money as a company is predicated on how good your product or service is. And the better you are at that, then the more money in theory you'll make. Um, there's obviously a little bit more of sales and marketing and management, but, but you got to get the, the, the gist here. Well, when you put the government involved, Texas, as far as, you know, how, or the United States or Louisiana, or I'm from originally, you know, wh- what are they doing? There, there's no competition there. And so there's no incentive. Yeah, they're wanting people to move the state, obviously, but there's no incentive like it is for a business to say, hey, um, you know, we, we got to figure out a way to make this thing profitable. We got to make sure we're bringing in money and, um, you know, we got to be careful with our spending. And, and, it, and it, obviously, when you get into state employees and pensions and, you know, insurance and policy and healthcare and all this stuff, it gets even more complicated. But just at the core, the way the system's set up is almost doomed for failure. Um, the bigger these governments get because, 
as you mentioned, Josh, there is waste and there is no incentive to make sure you run it as smoothly as humanly possible. Now, if you're a, you could say, well, businesses don't do that either. That's fine. But what happens to businesses that don't do that, Josh? They go out of business, right? They go out of business and then a new business pops up in their place and takes over and then the market keeps on going. Um, and so, so that's at the core. That's the problem is that, you know, government is not made to run like a business and therefore um, it struggles to actually keep itself, um, you know, where it's supposed to be and you get overspending, you get waste and there is no competition. There's no fear. The only fear would be is people moving out of the state of Texas and, um, you know, obviously it would take a tremendous amount of people to move out to even for that to impact it. And right now people are moving in. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's really the core issue in uh, back to the port of, Cor- port of Corpus Christi. We need to get this deal done. And, uh, the rainy day fund is what we got to do to do it. Um, then, you know, you're, you're giving back from the people that you took it from. So that makes the most sense to me. Well, Ryan, we also have some uh, some more on policy. Uh, Ted Cruz has an article uh, that uh, that I saw. The title of the article is "Cruz's One Man Energy Crusade." Uh, you know, he's been uh, Cruz has been trying to fix some environmental regulations in the oil refiner uh, oil refiner world, and it's something that not a lot of people has, have backed him on. But he's been trying to reach out. Uh, I don't know directly, indirectly to President Trump and trying to get some of the. Uh, some of the mandated requirements that were put in, I believe, under the Obama administration with some of the uh, EPA guidelines, trying to get some of those removed so that it, it can free up uh, the the Texas industry to not be so hampered by all these regulations. So uh, I, looking at this, I thought it was uh, something that was at least worth mentioning. He's working on some uh, some of these policies and it's something to keep an eye on for sure. Yeah, and this is one of those super controversial topics, and I really don't understand why. Um, you know, I, we just got. The, if you've listened to the show, you're probably gonna know where I'm going here, which is, hey, I'm not in favor of subsidizing, um, just just for the sake of subsidies. And um, I mean, this is a huge, huge deal from a, a lobbying standpoint and things like that. And you know, when Cruz was running for um, president, you know, one of the things he talked about was this issue. And essentially, you know, you look at it and you say, well. Part of the way this works is that you're subsidizing corn farmers, you know, to make sure we produce produce ethanol. And I mean, I, reading some of the comments here, I was very, I was very curious why some of the refiners were in favor of this, um, because it would seem to be that you kind of go back to that free market thing. You go, well, I'm not really sure why you'd want to have to pay for these credits or use the corn or whatever. It seemed that would that would, you know, if you want to use the corn, you want to use ethanol. That's fine, but if you don't, then you have to pay. You have to buy the credits. You know, it, it makes your cost of business go up. Um, and there's actually a story um, referenced in this article from Reuters, and it talks about um, Valero and you know, kind of how they handled it, and you know, how they were not, you know, they weren't, weren't really a, f- a fan of this policy. Um, so, I, you know, I was really kind of surprised that some of the people, I think, from the API, were in favor of this policy, and um, I, I don't really understand it, Josh, because to me, it seems like a pretty much a a free market standpoint, not the best idea. And it seems like Cruz is on the right side of this issue, at least. Hmm. Well, something that we'll definitely, uh, we'll, we'll keep, keep updated on, uh, just seeing how it goes. Is it curious to see if, you know, maybe by June or so, what, what this plan is going to be looking like. I, I don't, I don't see, you know, a lot happening right now, but it's definitely something to keep an eye on. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's one of those deals where, um, you know, so if you're a corn farmer, obviously this makes a lot of sense for you. You know, 
I mean, you know, just call it like it is. Um, if you're not a corn farmer, then, you know, it's like, well, okay. I, I think the, the lines get kind of blurred by saying, hey, this is a huge deal for the environment or, you know, it's more cost effective or stuff like that. And, you know, I'm just not sold on that. Um, but, you know, it's, it's um, at least, you know, I don't know. It's it's one of those things where I, I don't really understand. It's very it's a very politicized topic, and I'm sure we'll, we might get some heat from from some of the ethanol folks out there. And if you know me, you know Josh. It's not that we're against it. We're just saying let the market work itself out. And it, when the government when the government imposes regulations, the that, that that's preventing the market from working itself out. And um, so I don't know. I'm not a big fan of this. I I, I think Cruz is right here. Um, but, but there's some folks in their refining business that are, that are for it. So it makes me kind of go, well, maybe, maybe there's something I'm missing here. And if you're in that part of the business and you say, Hey, yeah, this is what you're missing. Ryan at globalenergymedia.com. We'd love to hear why, because to me, it seems like from the oil and gas side, a no brainer to, to deregulate this part. Um, I don't know why they wouldn't want to do it, but you know what, maybe something we're missing here. Well, Ryan, there's uh, we've had a couple of talks uh, the last couple of weeks that we've been on the show and uh, about technology, big data, and some of that. Uh, there was an article that came out with uh, the title of the article is Netflix for Oil Setting Stage for a $1 trillion battle over data. So, Ryan, I was looking through this article trying to find some substantive things, you know, technology. Um, there's a lot of stuff in here, um, a lot of stuff about data. They've talked about how much they've acquired since 2010 when they started tracking a lot of this stuff. Um, and the amount of data they're going to have by 2025 is just going to be, you know, uh, insurmountable. I mean, it's going to be just a, an enormous amount of data they're going to have. And what they're saying is they're going to be able to use this data for all sorts of purposes. Uh, it should help increase revenue tremendously. But Ryan, as I looked through it, I was just really looking for some specifics. Like, what what exactly are they measuring that they, you know, they, in the last couple of years? What are some of the developments? And again, it was kind of vague. Um, they talked about mapping reservoirs and and uh, being able to track this data in live, you know, uh, you know, at live time. But couldn't find a lot, man. It, uh, when you looked through it, did you see any specific technological advancements or some of the specific things they're using? Uh, rather than just kind of generalities. Yeah, I, you know, I don't, I don't re- remember seeing something specific like that. I think more of what's going on here is it, we talked about this um, a little while back, and David Blackman, for those of you who missed last week, kind of broke down maybe some of these um, improvement in technologies that that you could look look towards. But I think that you got to think about like this, Josh, is that you're going okay? Um, you know, Alan Gilmore said one time. Um, the, the former the former CEO of uh, drilling info, I think he's a chairman now. Anyways, he said that um, you know every day when you drill a well, it's like running a science experiment or something to that effect. And so you have all these science experiments that are running every day. Um, and so when you think about it like that, you know each I don't want to say each well is unique. Uh, I guess it is on some level. There's a lot of similarities, but if you kind of think about it like that, saying okay, well everything is not a hundred percent same. So there are differences. And then obviously, um, you know, the difference between a Balkan whale and a Permian whale is you know, a lot different um, or a Marcellus whale and a Hainesville shell and all, all that kind of stuff. And so if you start thinking about like that, saying that each well is, is, is unique um, and how we drill it, um, you know, and, and, and all, and you know, the company, what they're doing, things like this. Um, uh, so all of a sudden you start collecting that data 
Um, it kind of goes back to, we talked about before this idea of where you collect the, the basic data you say, okay, well, this is what we're doing. We want this data. Um, and then all of a sudden you look at it and you go, hold on, you know what, do, do we need to collect this extra data? We didn't think about this before or not, you know, what that might be. I don't know. I'm just saying, but that, that's kind of how data collection works. Um, okay. Yeah. Let's collect this. Or when we, when we look at the data from this standpoint, what does it tell us? And so I think really this is the, the interesting thing about this article for me was, what's going to happen with this data? Because um, there's kind of a, it seemed like a debate over who owns the data. Now, I don't know. I would imagine the um, the oil and gas companies, you know, would probably have in their contract, their MSAs, that they own the rights to the data. Mm-hmm. So I was a little, I was a little surprised by that, but maybe, maybe they don't. Um, but I, I would say this, I think that this is exciting and a little bit worrisome. Here's why. If you're someone who's a very small producer and you have your data, the odds are, just my two cents here, that you probably could use the Netflix for data, right? That would be a big benefit because then you could have access to all kinds of data that you didn't, you didn't have before. If you're someone like Exxon, they're probably going to be resistant to that because they have a huge team and a large budget and a lot of money and things like that. But I would I would suggest... Just suggest that if oil and gas companies um, were to sit back and think about this, the best way for us to use this data is to let as many people examine it as humanly possible. Because Josh is going to have a way to look at it. Ryan's going to have a way to look at it. Bob, Mary, Steve, Sally, everyone's going to have their own way to look at it. And a lot of those ways aren't going to be very good because it just didn't work, right? I mean, not, not that the intentions were bad, it's just just didn't work. Okay, that's fine. Well, let someone else find out what all the bad stuff is for you, what all the stuff that's not useful, what all the stuff that doesn't work is. But guess what? That person that you never would have came across, um, they get access to the data and then they figure out something that's more important that you ever would have discovered. And so um, I am, I, I'm not saying that's what they're going to do. Um, I think that would be the best thing is to give people access to it. Um, maybe you could put it up where um, Ryan and Josh want to start a company and they got to pay, you know, five, 10, 15, 20, even a hundred thousand dollars to access this data library. And then we can develop it from there. You know, that would be some way to kind of keep it from the, the, the you know, everyone who wants access. Um, but I would suggest that it seems like that is the best way for the market to work. The best way to ensure that you get the best ideas, um, you create competition, like we talked about a minute ago. You let people who, you know, um, from all over the world potentially look at this problem and figure out what is this data, what new data we could, could we collect. And then if you're Exxon or somewhere like that, and you go, you know what, uh, Ryan and Josh got a really good idea. Let's just go buy them out. That's what they do already. So for them, it's kind of it would kind of behoove them, it would seem, to let them put it out there to the marketplace. And then if you like what Ryan, Ryan and Josh are doing, then you just go buy them up, you know. And so I, that's what I think. That was kind of my takeaway from this piece. Um, but as they mentioned, you know, some companies aren't really excited about sharing that data. And, and I respect that. I fully respect that. If they don't want to, I, I fully respect your opinion as a, as a company to keep your data private. I just think that um, that would be my, my general suggestion. I think uh, what, you, what you're saying, Ron, with some of the data going out and more people being able to look at it, that definitely more advancements would be made uh, technologically. You, cre- you increase the potential, Josh, right? Thing, you, you, increase right? The, like you, you, you increase yeah, the potential. Yeah, yeah. It's not a guaranteed, although it probably would happen, but you, you increase the potential is what we're saying, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. The only, only pushback you would get from other companies is like, say – what if a company, what if their company is based on getting this data and they spend millions of dollars to get the data? They don't right. want to just give it out for free. 
So they, there's a you know a, a way the free market is going to work with that as well. With some of this data being um, you know cost effective, somebody's got to pay to get it uh, and look at it. So yeah, I think uh, it, there's definitely some some give and take that's going to have to take place. It, but, it, uh, it's interesting to see. I th- you make a great point there, Josh. And the other thing is, is that you know if you're pioneer, do you want Anadarko or Apache or whomever to to have access to your data? Because you're, they are your competition. This is a competition. It is not. It is not a hand. It's not a game of handouts. These are people putting hundreds of millions, if not billions, of dollars on the line. So it, it is a competition, and I'm, I'm aware of that. So I do respect the fact that they may say, "Hey, we'll roll the dice internally with the data," um, and and we because we don't want you know I, I'm not saying this is the official stance, but Pioneer may say we don't want Anadarko and Apache and uh, Energen to have access to this data because you know what we're going to figure it out ourselves, and I, I I respect that. That is their right um, because they are competing with these other companies. I think from the standpoint of the best way to get these efficiencies figured out would be to release the data. And there's ways you could do that. You you could say, well, um, we don't release the data to this Netflix to call it that for lack of a better term. We release our data after five years or seven years or whatever. So it's not the, it's not the fresh data. It's a little bit of the older data. And that's fine because people, it's so much information here. It's so much information. This is going to take a long time to kind of process all this stuff and start thinking about it. So this is a, a very long lead item, I would imagine. Um, so I, I, I hope, I hope from the standpoint of advancement that the companies figure out ways to release it. Um, and the other problem would be, Josh, I forgot was, you know, um, Pioneer or Apache or Anadarko might look at it and say, well, you know, we're putting in, um, you know, X amount of data into the system, whereas a really small producer is putting in X, you know, divided by a thousand, but they're, they're, they're receiving the same benefit. So there's definitely, there's definitely things that had to be figured out along the way, you know, because a small producer is getting access to all the technological benefits and they're not putting in the same amount of data. Um, you could have a problem with that. So um, I don't know the solution. I just, I would like to see it where the data is accessible, but I understand, like you're saying, there's pushbacks and there's a lot of good pushbacks and that's fine. If you want to keep the data, that's fine. Um, but just from a purely, hey, I want the industry to do better standpoint, I would I would like to see the data out there. Um, I don't think that's going to happen and I understand why. Yep. Well, Ryan, you know, we have a good friend, David, came on the show last week, David Blackman, and uh, he, he, you know, he's a Forbes contributor. He recently posted an article in Forbes two days ago on the 21st, and, uh, and the article, the title of the article is U.S. Oil Boom Maybe About to Expand Beyond the Permian. Uh, pretty in-depth article. He talks about some of the things that are going on, um, especially uh, around the Gulf of Mexico lease sale. Uh, I believe he has here that the DOI is billed as the largest in history. Uh, it's 124.8 million in lease bonus bids. Uh, pretty in-depth article uh, all around. Did y'all talk much about this uh, when he was on the show last week, Ryan? I don't want to go through too much if uh, if I've already discussed most of it. Well, Josh, I'm not the smartest guy as you said a minute ago, um, but I think if the article came out on March 21st and this is March 23rd, I don't think we discussed it last week. I figured he was getting it ready. This, this article looks like it. Took <laughs> I, I mean, I, I'm not the smartest guy, Josh. I'm not the smartest guy. I'm just saying, if it came out the 21st, I don't think we discussed it last week. Uh, if we did, I forgot it. But I will say there is some good stuff in here. Um, 
And one of the things we talk about, we talk about looking forward in the market, Josh, is that um, there's always indicators. One of the indicators for a long term, a long term outlook on the market is what's going on offshore. If you go back to um, a little bit over a year ago, year and a half ago, offshore was kind of being told people were saying offshore is dead, it's going away. Well, we talked about stories um, towards the end of last year where offshore deals were happening. I think this is going to be interesting to watch. If this offshore sale goes really well, that's a great indicator for the long-term outlook of the industry. And, and it doesn't mean that it's the right outlook, obviously. People could be wrong. But it does mean that um, that the people who have a lot of money, who are risking a lot of money, they think that the outlook is uh, is good. Because these offshore projects, they're not going to start, you know, if you buy it uh, you know, tomorrow, you're not going to go drill a well the next day. This is a five, ten-year type deal. Um, and so if you're looking at it from a long-term standpoint, you know, five, 10, 15 years, if this sale goes really well, the bids are there, the blocks are sold, it's a very encouraging sign for our industry long-term. Um, if it's not, you do got to sit back and figure out what's going on here. Was the acreage not that good or is it a bad sign about the long-term outlook for the market? My prediction is that it will go, assuming the acreage is good, which I don't have any insight on one way or another, but assuming the blocks are good and uh, there's a lot of, lot of, lot, lot to be drilled there, which I'm sure there is, um, that this will, this sale will go really well. If you look at the BP's energy outlook for 2018, um, oil demand and gas demand through 2040 is expected to go up. So I don't see any reason why this wouldn't go well, but if it doesn't, then I think we do have to sit, uh, figure out why it didn't go well. Well, it's definitely something that we'll uh, we'll keep on. You know, David comes on, you know, probably once a month. Uh, something I'd like to you know, get get his opinion on, maybe uh, in a couple of weeks. Um, something, yeah. Uh, Ryan, we have one article that is I've, I've been looking at it. I've, it was fascinating to me. I've I've never heard of of this stuff. Uh, it the article is radar images show large swath of Texas oil patches heaving and sinking at an alarming rate. Uh, so I read through this thing, Ryan, and I just, I don't know if it's legit or if it's off the wall. Uh, I, I saw it posted in several places, so it's definitely something that's circulating in the in the news this week. Uh, but they have two giant sinkholes near Wink, Texas, mm -hmm. and they're saying that it may just be the tip of the iceberg. Uh, the study, they have some satellites from space that are like taking snapshots of 4,000 square miles, and they're showing some areas where there's been a lot of oil activity where the, the actual ground is actually sinking. And they're they're hypothesizing, I guess, that it is due to oil and gas activity. Yeah. So I, I think so. I think I want to be very careful and tread lightly here. Um, is it Occam's razor? Is that the thing? The most likely explanation is usually yeah. it, right. Okay. Yeah. So it sounds like to me that that's where they're going with this. And if we're being fair, that's the most logical place to start your your, your journey. Hey, we've got a sinkhole. What's the most likely thing that would cause it? Well, we're drilling a lot of oil and gas. That's the most likely place to start. So I, I can't get mad at anyone for starting with the most logical place to start at, which would be there, right? I mean, that just, I mean, what else would you, where else would you start at? There, there's probably some other things, but that would seem to make sense. Um, I, I'm kind of torn on this. First off, I don't know the answer to the question. Let's just be very clear. I don't know the answer to the question. Um, I have said before on the show, if uh, oil and gas people, if we uh, we need to own our, our sins, if you will, our mistakes, um, when we're wrong, we got to do that. Um, but 
the problem is, as you as we talk about Josh, there's so much bad stuff out there that's really hard to look at this and go, oh, huh, okay, well, this is called by Texas Oil and Gas, so therefore, let's just crucify the industry. No, I'm not willing to do that either. Um, I think here's kind of my takeaways from this. Let's just, for sake of argument, just sake of argument, let's just say that they're right, that the drilling is causing the sinkholes. What should we do? That's really the question. What should we do? And the answer is, we have to keep drilling. That's the reality. Um, if we don't keep drilling, the implications are for our, uh, could be very bad. Because and, and when I say, and so let me just clarify this. When I'm saying keep drilling, I mean as a society, not necessarily. Maybe we could not drill in certain areas or close to the sinkholes. Okay, I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about in general. We can't stop down. We can't stop drilling for oil and gas tomorrow. That that's catastrophic. That's catastrophic. Uh, um, for our society. So we have to keep drilling oil and gas wells. Now, again, is there exceptions around the sinkhole, stuff like that? Sure, we can have that discussion. That's fine. But as a, as a whole, I read this article and go, if they're right, if, they're, if, 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 if the Occam razor proves right here, it doesn't change the fact that we have to keep drilling for oil and gas. Um, it does mean that maybe it does cause sinkholes and we got to figure that out. And that's something that we have to talk about as, as a society. Um, but I think the overreaction to this article could be, oh my gosh, we're having sinkholes. We had to stop drilling, and that can never be part of the discussion because we will go back to the Stone Ages. And so, mm-hmm. um, that would so. So, let me just kind of recap this. So I'm clear. First off, I have no idea um, if this is true. Well, there's sinkholes out there, so I know that's true. I have no idea if if if, if it's being caused by oil and gas. The second thing is, if it is, um, as a as as a whole, um, society cannot stop drilling. The U.S. cannot stop drilling oil and gas. It would be terrible for our country and for the world. Um, and the third thing is, um, I don't remember now. <laughs> I forgot the third point, but there was three points there. Um, and I will say that it doesn't mean that landowners should be compensated if there's damages and people might be re- relocated. If if you you know if it's if it's proved that oil and gas companies cause this, there's there's we we've been very clear, I think, Josh, and I hope we've been clear on that. That you know if if industry and I, and I know I'm, I know I'm clear on this position, but I'll, I'll restate it. The injured party is the one who should always be taken care of. And so if there's a sinkhole who's damaging Josh Shelton's land, he's the injured party. He should be taken care of by the oil and gas company because um, he didn't ag- agree to enter that um, to enter that agreement by the sinkhole. So I, I don't know. I, I, I have my doubts, to be honest with you, that this is the case. But I, I just you know, I don't really know. And kind of reading the article, I tried to read the study. It was just too much to read before we got on here today. Um, I don't know, man. It just... That's kind of my. I think that's a, a fair position to take. Um, Absolutely, but- yeah, definitely, definitely fair. And I think uh, you know, my questions are: we need to get people that that are on both sides to get in and look at the data and kind of have a discussion of it. Uh, because at one level, sinkholes were around around long before sure. oil and gas that's right. began to be drilled. And and with that in mind, I wonder if sinkholes tended to be in areas where oil and gas was more. Um, more prevalent mm-hmm. you know so there are areas that have more oil and gas do sinkholes occur in those areas more often naturally right so there's all kinds of questions that may you have to look at some of these things before you go in and say this because uh i don't want to say it's coincidental um it may be you know we, we don't know and that, that that's the thing like you said that people are so out to crucify the oil and gas industry that they're trying to blame every little thing like earthquakes on the oil and gas industry so um I uh, probably don't want to get off in that, but uh, I think for the most part, um, 
there's a possibility that it's true. That's why I wanted to at least uh, touch on it. And if it is, like you said, we can't stop drilling, but maybe maybe there are things that we can start to try to become more efficient on. I think they said that pumping the saltwater waste in there and some of that was uh, maybe causing it to happen more frequently. So maybe, maybe there's different ways that, that you could do it or, or um, become more efficient and, and maybe prevent the sinkholes happening. So a lot of things to discuss, but there's also a lot of question marks in my mind as I read through the article that I'd like to follow up on as, uh, as this becomes a bigger issue. And, you know, maybe next year it may be a non-issue because it may be, you know, yeah. garbage. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, if you're someone who's a geologist or kind of an expert on this, we'd love to have you on the show and kind of maybe dispel some of the stuff. I think that it's fair to, it's fair to say the Aquamore Razor could be the thing here. And it's also fair to, to, to criticize that. The, the question I would really have is, um, and this, you know, this goes back to my ignorance on, 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 you know, how this stuff works was, you know, how would you prove this out? And, and I don't, I mean, because you, it would seem you'd have to take an area with the exact same, I say exact loosely, but very similar circumstances where it's not being drilled at. So you'd have to have a Permian that's not being drilled, but had the same type of population, um, and, and then say the same rainfall and, you know, you'd have to have all that to kind of be your, your test group, right? I mean, what, does that make sense? Or you'd have to have like a duplicate of this somewhere else to kind of, to kind of have to be the, the, the control, I guess is the right term, um, to kind of help you understand what is going on. Isn't that the right way to think about it? Uh, yeah, that's exactly what they'd have to do, Ron. They'd have to look at different areas that maybe fit the same geological profile but drilling is not happening and then measure how much it's not sinking you know it's, it's a difficult thing I, I think uh if they could if they could go in and 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 get some studies from multiple locations that are being drilled that are using certain things and show the same phenomena in those areas and then say these areas have a similar geological profile they're not being drilled and it's not sinking that would be a pretty good case i think if they could go in and do that that would be um that would be a pretty strong argument, uh, but that would, that's something that's difficult to put together as well. I, I mean, this article is nowhere close to, to going to that level. Yeah, I, yeah so I don't know. I, I know this could be a deal where they're going to deploy modeling and um, projections and things like that, and that stuff has its place, but it's not the same as saying, you know, hey, hey here's Permian 1, here's Permian 2. Um you know, and we're comparing them. We just don't have Permian two. We got Permian one. Um, it's something. It's something to take serious. There's no doubt about it. Um, but yeah, I don't. I don't know where we go. It's definitely something to follow. And um, hey, I know we got listeners in West Texas that are out by Wink in some of these areas. Let us know. You know. You know, as far as these sinkholes go. Um, you know. So I, I guess I would say this final, Josh. One thing. First off, listeners, let us know. We'd love to talk to you. Right at GlobalMGB.com. GlobalMGB.com. I would say this though. I would imagine if there was a sinkhole that's happening that had nothing to do with oil and gas, let's just say nothing to do with the drilling. Um, but then you get out there and you start drilling and you put the big trucks and you're shaking the earth. I could see that just kind of um, potentially impacting the sinkhole because the ground's shaking a lot more um, than it was before with all the increased road traffic and drilling and things like that. So maybe it could, I could see an argument that it could actually um, – you know, maybe speed it up a little bit because of the movement of the earth. But again, I'm no geologist. I don't know. Just kind of a, just a thought there. Yeah. Well, let's uh, maybe try to reach out to a geologist in, in the next few weeks to see if we can get them on just to get their opinion on this piece. And um, that, that would be cool. Well, Ryan, you know, we have our, our normal M&A, uh, mergers and acquisitions, job, jobs call uh, that, we, that we run at the end of the show. 
uh, today, our first one is a pretty big one. TBG, uh, they're to buy Intervest Shell Assets for $2.7 billion. Uh, it's an Eagleford uh, play, a little bit in the Austin Chalk. It's 360,000 net acres that they're going to be getting, uh, and, and they're going to be changing their name to Magnolia Oil and Gas Corp. They have a 70, I think a 71-year-old um, CEO. Is it Oxy? Yeah. That is... Yeah, he's he's not ready to get he's not ready to to cut the court, man. He said he loves his job and he's trying to make some deals happen. So uh so a cool thing going on here. Love to love to see things like this, some moves being made. And hey, uh, so hey, I'm curious. This is one to watch. You talk about, you know, kind of a jobs call and you know, um business development outlook. Because if you if I read the article right, Intervest is keeping um let's see here uh well, Intervest will operate the assets and own about 51% of the company. So Intervest is going to still operate the assets and own 51%. So I'm not sure exactly if there's going to be um, more after this or what's going to go on. It was an interesting piece, though, and definitely something to watch out because Magnolia will be hiring people. They will be doing stuff. But but how this shakes out between them and Intervest will be something to watch um, as well. The article at first, I was thinking, hey, they're going to buy this Intervest stuff. They're going to operate it, but Intervest is still going to operate it, it says. So I'm not really sure um, where exactly Magnolia will go from there moving forward. Yeah, well, definitely something to keep an eye on for sure. Uh, we have two more, Ryan. First one, Pioneer Deals, Eagleford Assets to Australia's Sundance. So a couple of deals that came up in the Eagleford this week. Uh, Sundance said March 5th that it had agreed to acquire Eagleford Assets in the volatile oil window from Pioneer for $221.5 million. It's 21000 net uh, 21,900 net acres. So, uh, pioneers definitely making a move there. And, uh, well, I mean, you know, it's, it's, this is, this was more of a matter of time deal, right, Josh, because they said what a month ago or a month and a half ago that they were going all in on the Permian. So this was just kind of more of a, when's it going to happen? Yep. And, and it didn't, take, it didn't take them long. It didn't take them long to unload it. Yep. It's, uh, it's, it's good to see. I think, I think a lot of people are going to be making that move this year. And, uh, I mean, they're, they're, going all in but I, I can't imagine the competition that's going to be out there man it's going to be incredible uh the mm-hmm. competition in the permian this year last one ryan venado and kkr acquire cabot oil and gas eagleford assets i wish we had our good uh, friend Sergio. Hold, hold, hold on what'd you say could you read that headline again who did you say cabot cabot oil and gas yes yeah, sergio needs to be on today so we could uh we could we could interrogate him for Cabot Oil and Gas Cabot Oil and Gas you mean to tell me that we've got a Cabot Oil and Gas update and Sergio Chapa is not on the show not on the show man yeah it's was he unavailable or what was the deal well he's uh, I think allergic to Cabot so uh, he, he wanted to <laughs> stay away <laughs> he's got a Cabot allergy huh <laughs> yeah it does <laughs> well, okay. So, um, to the folks at uh, Venado and KKR, congratulations and Cabot Oil and Gas. It took you fifty-three episodes, but we have finally got that Cabot Oil and Gas update in. Um, and I, I, yeah, I don't know if we'll ever talk about you guys again. Hopefully, we, we will. But um, yeah, it's funny. You know, Sergio couldn't come on this week, and and here it is. So, I'm not saying it's it's related, but you know, take for it what you will. Well, uh, looking at it, Venado Oil price of the acquisition was seven hundred and sixty-five million. Uh, they got seventy-four thousand four hundred net acres in the, in the deal. So, uh, Venado is definitely making some moves in the Eagleford 
uh, great to see, and we'll definitely keep up with them. So I'm just curious, Josh, if you had 74,400 acres um, in the Eagleford, you would you would think that you would want Sergio to write something about you at some point, right? Right. You would, would think, think that so. you'd want him to come on the Texas Oil and Gas podcast and talk about you at some point. Um, but it took Capital and Gas selling this 74,400 acres um, to get a mention on the show. And so, Cabot, we are sorry. You're always welcome on the show. Um, you know, we, we, we've done our best, but apologies to Cabot, as Sergio would say. <laughs> well, uh, don't want to rail on him too hard, but uh, <laughs> that, that, it, it is his fault. <laughs> We're not going to throw him under the bus, but we are going to run him over a few more times. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, Ryan, you know we have our rig count from uh, from Drilling Info. Uh, they are at a thousand and fifty-two this week, or actually today. Uh, they're down one percent uh, from the previous week, uh, but they're they're hanging in there. I mean, uh, they they've dropped they've dropped. I believe about a week ago they were at a thousand and seventy. So. Uh, staying pretty constant though yeah overall. i mean if you go if you look at the 30-day average so the 30-day average is 133 and uh, you know, a month ago was 1033 today's 1052 and if you just roll that yeah if you roll that average forward about um two weeks nine weeks so so a month ago would have been february 20th if you roll it out if you roll it forward seven dates it's 1051 and then today we're at 1,052. So, I mean, like we talked about over and over again, you know, you, you'll see a 10 to 15 rig swing, um, but, you know, it's still uh, basically a month ago, seven days off. It was 1,052. Um, it dropped to 133. It peaked at 1,071. So it's in that range, and that's just where we're seeing it at. There's not not a lot of drastic swings. Um the market seems to be responding to the price, responding to the inventory reports, and uh, you know it's just kind of rolling between a thousand thirty-three and a thousand thirty and thousand seventy. Well, Ryan, anything we we uh, we need to cover before we uh, before we close everything out? I think we've covered all the M and A's. Uh, we've did the drilling info, got the rig count. Um, no, I think that's it. I think that's it. Um, text oil and gas podcast on Instagram. I do my show there. Try to do it six days a week. Uh, I've been averaging five and that's just because various things have come up, but we try to do it six days a week on there. Um, as Josh mentioned before, a rating or review on iTunes is very helpful. Questions for first question Q and a, um, right at goldbridge.com if you have a correction you have a comment you have things that we're talking about that we're not covering properly please 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 send them in we'd love to hear that especially on this you know this geological stuff uh, i know we have listeners in west texas if you're out by these sinkholes you know maybe you're out there and your whole life that thing's been out there and it ain't moving and you know or maybe it's moved a lot um whatever the case would be we'd love to hear your comments on any of that stuff and uh, again we'll be out on the road uh, two weeks from now in Tulsa, Oklahoma on April 5th and then McLeod, Oklahoma on April 6th, the first for the Pipeline Energy Expo and the second for the um, Oilfield Helping Hands benefit. So if you can sign up for that, that would be awesome. Would love to see you out there. And again, if you sign up and you're going to be in McLeod um, and you come up and say, hey, I'm a listener to the show, we'll get you on, you know, let you you know plug your company and uh, and do a, just, a, just a straight promo, basically. Um, and so... Um, you know, hopefully that will help you guys out and be beneficial. Okay, Josh, um, it was good to get you back on again. Do you have uh, Tahiti plans or Fiji or uh, any big things in the next couple of weeks, or can we count on you? 
Uh, I think I'll be him, man. Uh, Barring you know a meteor hitting my house and, and blowing me up, I'm I'm in it for the long. Okay, haul. well we we will plan not to see you within because <laughs> that's gonna be the next thing. A meteor <laughs> meteor hit my car, Ryan. I'm stuck in traffic that's or right. something, so I can see that one coming. <laughs> All right, well, folks, enjoyed it. Thank you so much for tuning in, and until next time, keep climbing. Mm-hmm.